Oh, hello, my name is Ben. I have the pleasure of reading today's reading for to you. Today we're reading from 1 Corinthians 12, 1 to 11. Concerning spiritual gifts. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, somehow or other you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who is speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are some kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by the means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same, same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And to an still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the works of one and the same spirit. And he distributes them each one as he determines. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Ben. Good evening, everyone. Hi, Daryl. Appreciate that. Thanks. Adam? If you were here this morning, we looked at that passage and I worked my way through it. Tonight we're going to look, bounce off that passage and I've got a whole series of questions that I wanted to work our way through and answer some questions. If you get a bulletin, and most of you, I think, should... On the back of the bulletin this week, I wrote a whole series of questions dealing with spiritual gifts. And so that's what I want to do tonight. I just simply want to go through those questions and ask and answer them. And you may have uh, questions likewise on spiritual gifts that you might want to ask tonight. And we'll give you the opportunity to do that. And I'll try and answer them on the fly. Um, <clears throat> and I'm more than capable and happy to go, I don't know. Um, I'll find out for you. But I did want to say happy birthday to Trace again and Tracy is blessing you tonight because she's got some of her birthday cake for supper so at the end of the service after I pray the pastors the elders the management team and so on will have a piece of cake and if there's any left then no it won't work like that how will we do it yeah I said that the um not only is it nice to congratulate Trace on her birthday, but also Chanel and Luke. Engaged, committed, got a date? Uh, yes, we think so. <laughs> That's good. It's good to have a date. You want to share it? No. You don't. Not right now. This year? No. Next year. Yeah, next year. Don't make it long. Don't make it long. It's too hard. Don't make it long. I proposed to my wife in November. 
1974. And we got married. I will, I'll hurry up. 16 months later, 16 months is too long. I always say to young couples, when you get engaged, get married. You know, you need some time, whether it's 12 months, six months, whatever you need to prepare and all that sort of stuff, but don't drag it out. We had a reason to do it, and I'm not telling you what it was. Um, well, we were con- her dad was very concerned. I am telling them what it was. <laughs> it's because I don't have a lot of material tonight. I thought I'd flesh this stuff out. Uh, it's nice to have you guys back to enjoy Samoa. Oh, yeah, that's nice. Um, what else do I need to tell you? Oh, it's Rhonda's wedding anniversary tomorrow. 47 years she's been married. 47 years. <clears throat> to me. <laughs> what a woman. 47 years of putting up with me. I'm the man I am today because of her. It is all her fault. Sorry? What was I like before I met her? We don't want to know. As I said this morning to somebody in the congregation, one of the fruits of the Holy Spirit is self-control. Don't answer that question. So tonight we're going to do question and answer type stuff. We're going to work our way through it. I'm going to go pretty quick. I'm going to throw out a whole lot of verses and it'll probably be a whole lot of information. So if you would like a copy of maybe the PowerPoint, I'll add to it the verses that I'm going to use. And if you would like that, then I'm happy to send it to you. Um, And we'll come to a point where we talk about questionnaires. If you want one of those as well, we can do it. Let's pray. Thanks, Heavenly Father, we can be together tonight. We thank you for each other. We thank you for the way that you continue to work good things into our lives, achieving your purposes. We're grateful, Lord, that you saved us and that you choose to work with us and through us, using us as your instruments. So tonight, Lord, give us open ears, open minds, open hearts. Help us to learn more about this vital truth of spiritual gifts and how you've made us and shaped us and how you want to use each of us. And then, Lord, help us to respond in a way which is pleasing to you. We ask and pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Here we go. Spiritual gifts. Uh, This is where I first couple of slides this morning. Here is the overall statement. The Holy Spirit is with us to help us. And in fact, he gives each one of us, if you're a Christian, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus, he's given you a spiritual gift, at least one and probably multiple, two, three, four, or could be more, um, in order to serve one another and to glorify God. Um, That's the overall statement. I said this morning, and I I left this one in from this morning because there was a correction. I had a teacher in the 10.30 service, a retired teacher, who has travelled around the world and she came this morning, I don't know why she came, but she came this morning, I don't know what the contact connection is. <clears throat> and uh, she sh- I shared, um, there were two blokes who went to the Niagara Falls, they got to the bottom of Niagara Falls and as one of them looked up he went, this is the greatest unused power source on earth. And it's not a true statement because the greatest unused power source on earth is in fact, Holy Spirit. Us tapping into and being, letting God work through us because, as I said this morning, the greatest, I love the quote I came across this week where it says, God governs the universe. I mean, how much power would it take to create the universe, let alone save a soul? But the great, he is 
awesome. We, that was a beautiful song about how amazing God is, how powerful he is. He didn't just create the stars en masse, he created each one of them person, you know, individually and then he names them. That's how awesome and amazing God is. Um, and that God is now with us and in us by his spirit. That power is available to us and we need to tap into it. He is the greatest unused power source on earth. So I wanted to come to this. Oh, I need to tell you. And the, the teacher out of the 1030s came to me because I said the Niagara Force is the greatest unused power source on earth. She said that's no longer true. At 10 o'clock each night, they turn it off. Not turn it off, but it's governed by a weir. And so they change the dials and all of the Niagara Falls is then directed towards hydroelectricity and it generates power. Yeah, so it's used. So that's no longer true. This was a quote from back in the 1930s, a long time ago, but it's, you know, now it's, they actually use that flow of water to create lots of electrical power. Here we go. So what are spiritual gifts? Um, spiritual gifts are special abilities that God, the Holy Spirit, gives to us. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of Jesus, he has given you at least one, and I dare say several, spiritual gifts. It's a power, that, an ability, a power, an energy that you are able to use that enables ministry often that exceeds our own limits the limits of our own humanity or abilities. Spiritual gifts are a manifestation of God's spirit in us. Often the areas of knowledge or of love or of power, often in those sorts of areas. So that's what a spiritual gift is. Special ability that God gives above and beyond natural gifts. Where are they mentioned in the Bible? In eight places in the New Testament and they're mentioned in the Old Testament. They are mentioned in Romans 12. They're mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12, several times. 1 Corinthians 13, twice, a couple of times. 1 Corinthians 14, Ephesians 4, 1 Peter 4. So there are eight passages in the New Testament. So if you want to know about spiritual gifts, you've got to read all eight of the passages. Um, But they're also mentioned in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. And this is a weird one. In Leviticus, what is it, 30 and 30, 31 and 35, just listen to this. Then the Lord said to Moses, See, I have chosen Bezel, Bezalel, the son of Uri, the son of Hur, the tribe of Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God, with wisdom, with understanding, with knowledge, and with all kinds of skills to make artistic designs for work in gold, silver, and bronze, to cut and set stones to work in wood, and to engage in all kinds of crafts. Moreover, I've appointed Aholiab, son of that bloke, of the tribe of Dan, to help him. And I've given them ability to do this, this, and this. They're physical craftsmen abilities given by God through the Spirit of God. So by definition, that's a spiritual gift, but has a physical manifestation. That's interesting, isn't it? Now, sometimes the spiritual gifts do that. They have a physical manifestation in our world. Um, So they're mentioned in eight passages in the New Testament and once in the Old Testament. How many gifts are there? Well, if you write them down and you add them up, there's a list of seven, there's a list of nine, there's a list of four or five, there's a list of two, there's a list of this. But they overlap, they get repeated and so on. 
So depending how you add it up, it can go from anything from 20 to about 27 in the New Testament. But that's not exhaustive. Is it possible to be a Christian and not have a gift? Answer? No. Every Christian has a spiritual gift. You get natural talents when you are born into this world. They're from the Creator. You get a spiritual gift when you are born again into the kingdom of God. And the Spirit of God endows you with a gift or gifts to be used in service for you to identify and to employ. So no, it's not possible to be a Christian and not have a gift. You may not know what your gift is and you may think you don't have a gift, but it's not true. The Bible says you have a gift, at least one. It's given to everyone, distributed by the Spirit. Can a non-believer have a spiritual gift? Answer? Hand up for no. Hand up for yes. Interesting. Can a non-believer have a spiritual gift? In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 22, the Lord Jesus says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only those who do the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name drive out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They're spiritual gifts. Yeah. And they're not Christians. Did they do them? Well, if you look up the parallel reference, they said they did them. But they're not spiritual gifts from the Holy Spirit. They are spiritual gifts from another spirit, from the evil spirit. So they're either claiming they did that, or as Jesus says in Matthew 24, verse 24, there will be false Christs and false prophets will arise and they will perform many signs and wonders, miracles. That's a spiritual gift. But these are false Christs and false prophets. Where are they getting the ability to do that? Answer, from another spirit, not from the Holy Spirit. Or again, in 2 Thessalonians 2, verse 9, it talks about the Antichrist coming and he will perform many false signs and wonders so as to deceive many. False signs and wonders. So can a non-believer have a spiritual gift from the Holy Spirit? No. Can a non-believer have a spiritual gift? Yes. Not from the Holy Spirit, but from the evil one. There's another spiritual power at work. And I don't know if <clears throat> you probably are, but with increasing AI in our world, there is some stuff on YouTube talking about what AI can do and the link between artificial intelligence and the Antichrist and the parallels of what can happen. It's worth looking up and looking into. Pastor Alvin preached a sermon on it a couple of weeks ago, I think, in the Chinese congregation. Um, so you can tap into that if you can understand Cantonese. So, no, a non-believer can't have a Holy Spirit-given gift. Can a believer lose their gift? Short answer, no. Long answer, no. <laughs> God's not an alien giver. He doesn't take away that which he gives us. But that which he gives us, he holds us responsible for. We are to be stewards of that which he has entrusted to us. So it's quite possible you don't develop it, but you don't lose it. You still have that ability, that empowering, that 
The Holy Spirit will be prompting you to do these things, I would imagine, in your life. Now, can a spiritual gift, so to speak, be temporary or a one-off? So it's not actually a gift which is to be spurred upon you, which are permanent and residential in you, <clears throat> but yes, a spiritual gift can be used because it's the Holy Spirit in you, working through you to use you. That certainly is what happened in the Old Testament, that God's Spirit would come upon a prophet or a judge and they would do things and, and enable things, perform things, but then the Spirit would leave. It wasn't permanent. It was an occasional thing, a circumstantial thing. And I said to the church this morning in, uh, in Papua New Guinea, there was a German evangelist who was preaching, doing evangelism for a week, <clears throat> and translated. On the last night, the last meeting of the crusade, his translator got violently ill and was sick and he couldn't translate and there was no replacement. <clears throat> so he spoke in German, but the people heard him in their own native language. And he happened once in his life. So that would be the equivalent of like speaking in tongues or something like that, or hearing in tongues, I guess you would say. Um, but it was not a repeated occurrence in his mind. And bottom line is, God can do anything. So God can even, I don't have the gift of healing, but God on occasions can heal through me praying for somebody. So too through you. So a spiritual gift type thing can be temporary or a one-off, an occasional thing, depending on the circumstances that you're in. <clears throat> have any of the gifts cease? Many people would argue this, particularly um, of our camp, of the Evangelical Bible-believing camp. Why do they say that? They say there are no tongues, there is no prophecy, there is no healings, there's no miracles of those things happening today. They happen back in the New Testament with the apostles. They don't happen today. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 8, love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, special knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part, we prophesy in part, but when the completeness, when the perfect comes, what is in part will disappear. Does that mean the gifts have ceased? Well, some people read that passage to say yes, because when it says, when the completeness comes, when the perfect comes, they think that means the Bible. When the scriptures are completed, the gifts will cease. I don't think Paul means that when he says the completeness or the perfect has come. I think he's referring um, rather to when the Lord Jesus returns. Then the gifts will cease. There will be a change. Why do I say that? Because of Ephesians chapter 4 where Paul says, So Christ himself gave apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors and teachers, pastors and teachers, four or five, why? To equip the people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. When? Until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. How long does he give those gifts, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastors and teachers? Until we are fully mature in Christ. Are we fully mature in Christ? Not in this life, but in the next so no, the gifts have not ceased. None of the gifts have ceased. That doesn't mean all of the gifts will be manifest in our church. They could be, because he's the Holy Spirit. He's the one who gives the gifts. 
And throughout church history and through different missionary stories, you will find that there are manifestations still even today of different gifts of healing, of raising the dead, of prophecies being given, of, and on and on and on. Oops. Should we seek a gift or pray to receive them? What do you think when I was your age last century? There was a whole movement, the charismatic, Pentecostal movement had started certainly, but there was a thing called the charismatic movement, which was just starting back in the 70s. And it was like a third wave going through Bible-believing churches. And we were sort of motivated and encouraged that we should seek and ask, can I ask God to give you the gift of speaking in tongues? I don't know why tongues was the flavor of the month, but anyway, it was. Everybody wanted to be able to speak in tongues, and I did that. I prayed for God to give me the gift of tongues, and he didn't. So was that wrong to seek that gift? Is it wrong to pray for that gift? Well, the Apostle Paul tells us in Corinthians when he's writing to that church uh, that what we should do is to earnestly desire, eagerly desire the greater gifts. Chapter 14, verse 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. But when he writes that, he's not writing to us individually, he's writing to us as a local church. That we as a church should seek those gifts. What gifts don't we have in the body? Let's seek those. Let's seek the greater gifts, the gifts that are going to build up and encourage one another. Um, but God is our loving Heavenly Father, and if you went to him and said, God, can I have the gift of performing miracles? Then the Heavenly Father will ask you, why do you want that gift? Well, so that people will notice me and so that I'll be important and I'll be, you know, significant. Well, no, you can't have that gift. Depends on your motivation of why you're seeking it. Lord, can I have this gift so that I can serve this church better and so that you can be glorified through me? God's far more likely to answer that one than another. So yes, it's okay to seek a gift. It's okay to pray to receive them but they are distributed sovereignly by the Spirit of God. How are they received? Well, I put that question in because normally the Bible says to us that they are distributed, as I just said, by the Spirit. He decides to distribute whichever gifts to whichever person. But there are some references in the Scriptures um, that talk about gifts being given by the laying on of hands. The Apostle Paul writes to Timothy, we receive our gifts when we're born again, certainly. But 1 Timothy 4 and 2 Timothy chapter 1 and Romans chapter 1, the Apostle Paul writes in those letters about how I desire to come to you and to impart to you a spiritual gift. He says that three times. So how are they received? Well, I would still say by the sovereign distribution of God's Holy Spirit, he sovereignly determines who's going to get it, but sometimes the Holy Spirit does it through people. That the elders of the church, the leaders of the church, or significant people, leaders in a particular local church, can pray and discern and ask God to give this gift to this person. And God seems to somehow impart that or do that. But as I said, for the most, vast majority of us, we receive our spiritual gifts when we are born again with no imposition of any human. How many gifts can we have? Well, definitely at least one. Every Christian has at least one. 
But we are not limited to one. Romans 12.6 talks about plural, the gifts that we have. Or 1 Corinthians 12 verse 11 uh, emphasises at least each one of us has at least one gift. The reality is probably most of us have two, three or four gifts. It's a gift mix, a gift cluster. Um, I'm not sure I asked this question, but can you put the gifts in categories? Well, people have tried all different sorts of things, but the only biblical category is what Peter does. There are speaking gifts and there are serving gifts. So when he talks about speaking gifts, he's talking not just about prophecy or teaching or preaching. He's talking about words of knowledge or words of encouragement or a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. They're all speaking gifts because God does stuff through his word. His word is powerful. But then there are serving gifts which are active, which are doing things, whether it's administration or whether it's helps or whether it's healing or mercy or whatever. So you could have a gift in this and a gift in that category as well. You're not limited to just one, um, but you probably have several. In fact, most of the gift questionnaires that you do, they'll say, this is your primary gift and these are your secondary gifts, and you may also have some giftings in these areas as well. Are the gifts linked to obedience and sanctification? Not in the giving of them. God doesn't give gifts to us if, if we are obedient or if we are you know, fully committed and holy. But it does have an impact when it comes to using us. Our disobedience and our lack of sanctification can hinder the work of the Spirit through us, which is why we need to keep short accounts with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21 talks about there are many vessels in God's house, many people, some for honour, some for dishonour. Those that are cleansed are ready for the master to use. 2 Timothy 2, verse 21. So it's in the use of the gifts, but not in the impartation, the receiving of the gifts. Why does God give us spiritual gifts? Well, he gives us spiritual gifts certainly for his honour, 1 Peter 4, for his glory. But God also gives us spiritual gifts so we can serve one another, 1 Peter 4 again. He gives us spiritual gifts, Ephesians 4, so that we can equip one another, train and equip and help one another grow and mature in Jesus. He gives us gifts so that we can, it says in Corinthians, for the common good. So it's serving and for the benefit of others. That's what the gifts are for. And through that, God gets the glory. Yeah. We are to be stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. What's the difference between a gift and an office? You may not be interested in that, but that question comes up occasionally. A gift is a spiritual gift that God has given. You could be, a, apostleship is a gift. In today's day and age, yes, there are apostles. No, they're not the original apostles. They're different. Current day apostles are those who have been sent. They're missionaries. They're church planters. That's the gift of apostleship. That's what it means, someone who is sent. There's a gift of a pastor. Now, there's a gift of a pastor and there's the position of a pastor. A pastor by the gift is a person who is a shepherd, who cares about people, who wants to shepherd them spiritually. Or you could have the gift of being a deacon, to serve, to help. Gifts are functions or they are abilities that God gives us in ministry. An office 
is a position, it's a title, it's a role recognised by the church and you may or may not have those gifts in that office. Does that make sense? Sort of, okay. I suspect most of us are not really interested in, in that question anyway. A gift does not automatically mean that you will have the position. Everybody around you is nodding. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Say it again. What? A gift is the verb, yes, the yeah. doing thing. Yes, yeah, the action. And an office is the noun, like the naming word of that gift, like a pastor. Yeah, no. No, it's not like that. If you link them, no. So you can be a pastor. Yeah. You could be a pastor. You could be a person who is a caring shepherd for others. You could be the leader of a care group and have the gift of being a pastor. But that doesn't mean you're going to be a pastor, which is a position, an office, which is recognised by the church and often revolts in you know, financial support. You could be a pastor and not have the gift of being a pastor. You could be a pastor and be a teacher, a leader, an evangelist, something else, but have the position of being a pastor. Okay, good question. Thanks for the confusion. <laughs> what is our response to spiritual gifts? Well, we should identify them. If you're not sure what yours is, and I'm going to go through that very quickly in a minute, like I did this morning. If, when you identify it, then you should develop it, embrace it. That's who God wants you to be and how he wants to use you. You should certainly use it and you should certainly enjoy it. Um, because we are stewards of that which God has entrusted to us. How do I discover my gifts? If you give me 20 bucks, I'll help you find it. Well, it's one way. Can I get more gifts for 100? <laughs> yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> the Holy Spirit gives you the gifts. The 100 just helps me to identify it five times for you. <laughs> Well, number one, pray. Ask. God, what's my gift? That's easy, isn't it? If you're not sure, and I bet some of you are not sure, just ask your loving Heavenly Father, Lord, you've, the Bible says you give me a gift. What is it? Make it clear for me what my gift is. Number two, educate yourself. Increase your awareness of what these gifts are. Study the Bible passages, read about them in books, listen to podcasts or sermons or whatever. Come and talk about it. Because the reality is God just mentions the gift. There's a gift of administration. What does that actually mean? What is that gift? Then in another passage, there's a gift of leadership. And what some people do, they say that's the same gift. Leadership and administration is the same gift. I don't think so. I think they're different gifts. But it's how you define it. So that's why you need to study, learn and increase your understanding. Um, and there's both looking at what the scripture says about it, but then there's also looking at contemporary experience. How is this gift being used and what people are saying that gift is? And, so, and you have to be discerning when you do that um, because there is some gobbledygook going on out there that people say they have this gift and, and no, they don't. 
So educate yourself. Uh, you could do an inventory, you could do a questionnaire. I have a questionnaire here that we could send to you. The only thing I don't like about this questionnaire is it only... Um, it defines the gifts, the 12 gifts that it's analysing, but it only asks you questions about 12 gifts. How many gifts are there? 20 to 27. Well, they pick 12. And what happens if you're in the other group? So I don't like that one. But anyway, I'm happy to give it to you and share it with you. <laughs> There's another one called a Hoyt's Questionnaire, which has the 27 gifts in it. But again, you see, it comes down to the definitions. Because based on the definitions is how you will answer the question. But like a, it's a tool. It's not an infallible tool. It's a helpful tool. And it just may point you in the right direction. Oh, I could be gifted in this sort of area. I, have, wasn't, I wasn't aware of that. It's also helpful in that process that you'll become aware of eliminating. I don't have that gift. And so you'll eliminate gifts. Over the 27 on the list, you can go, I don't have that gift, I don't have that gift, I don't have that gift, I don't have that gift. That's helpful. That means my gifts are going to be in these other areas. And as I said this morning, we had a lady, her name was Helen, and she was a gifted lady, a mature Christian, but she didn't know what her gift was. And she had low self-esteem, so she didn't think she had a spiritual gift. She did the course that we ran, and, and she, went, she took the material home, and she went through it and says... Do you have this gift? This gift is, you know, have this sort of experience. Do you have this gift? Yes, maybe, no. On each one of the gifts, no, no, no. Got to the end of the list, she hasn't got a gift. Came back to the second session of the thing and she says, I don't have a gift. Which is wrong. Everybody's got a gift. You just don't know what it is. So then I stopped the class and I said, okay, group of about 12 people. And I said, let's go around the group, because we knew Helen. She'd been in the church a long time and everybody knew her. And I said, what do you think Helen's gift is? This person over here says, I think Helen's gift is hospitality. Huh. What do you think Helen's gift is? Oh, I think Helen's gift is about compassion and caring for people. What do you think Helen's gift is? Yeah, it's hospitality, 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 caring and compassion for people. Oh, and all around. The whole group affirmed her in what her gift was. Her response? Oh, I don't have that gift. <laughs> but she clearly did, and she was not aware of it, which is not a bad thing. You don't have to be able to name your gift. It's just helpful if you do know what your gift is. It'll direct you in decisions you make and areas where you can serve and so on. So even the elimination process is helpful. Once you do eliminate someone, you come up, if you do the questionnaire or if you do the elimination process, you come up with a list of half a dozen. Well, give it a go. I think, through my analysis of doing my questionnaire, that I could have the gift of leading worship in church. <laughs> That'll never come up on my gift analysis. But imagine it did. Well, go for it. Have a go. And in our process, we're not going to stick you on the platform until we have, you know, you've gone through a rehearsal and here is a song, sing it and, and so on. So in other areas of the church, there's an evaluation process. That's to help you. When I first came to Sunnybank, here's a story out of school. So this is going back 500 years ago. We had a team and we used to have... Uh, We'd have four or five singers over there and we'd have three or four singers here. We had a lot of singers back in those days. And over here in the background, like a mini choir, there was one guy 
who loves to sing, just loves it, but can't do it. So guess what we used to do? Did our worship director say to him, you don't have the gift? No. That would have been the sensible thing and the helpful thing for him to do. No. We put him on stage and they all had microphones. Guess what we did? We turned the microphone off. So he's singing away. Now some of you were here 20 years ago and you might be able to, I don't think you'll be able to work out who it was. I hope. But it was just the wrong way to deal with a brother in Christ. It's like saying, you don't actually have that gift. It's like me, and my responsibility is everybody who stands in the pulpit, one of my responsibilities is to make sure they can deliver. And if they don't deliver, I have to go to them and I have to say, I don't think that's your gift. And no, you can't go back into the pulpit again. Because it's my responsibility to make sure the sheep are being fed and taught accurately. And so we all have different responsibilities. So have a go. That might be, yep. Oh, that's interesting. Often, they're not mutually exclusive. The gifting will match the needs of the church. So imagine we had a need in the church, which we don't have, we can't identify anybody in the church who has that gift, right? Well, then the church should pray. Lord, give us somebody who can do that. Yeah. Good question. Um, and that's, in fact, I think what Paul means in 1 Corinthians 12 and 14, the last verse and the first verse, where he says, earnestly desire these gifts, the greater gifts. It's the church desiring these gifts. Yeah. Spiritual gifts at the end of the day are not about personal, they're about the corporate. Yeah. Yeah, so that's going to be an interesting journey for me. I keep getting asked this question, just to be very honest with you. Gee, time is gone. When I retire, what am I going to do? So my gift is teaching. Well, I can't imagine I'm going to be teaching in a pulpit somewhere. Well, I'll use my gift in some other area, in a small group or in a seminar or something else, I guess. I don't know. See what God does. Does your gift just stop? I wouldn't think so. Anyway, that's my problem, not yours. <laughs> Questions for you to ask. What do you enjoy doing? Believe it or not, some people enjoy singing. They love getting on stage and they love singing. And you won't believe this about me, but I do not enjoy standing in front of people and speaking. It's not a natural thing for me to do. It's outside my comfort zone. But this is the gift that God has given me. And he said, that's how I want to use you. So here I am. So I, I went through theological college with 24 other people. And 23 of them all said they have a burning passion to be in the pulpit. And I went, I don't. I don't want to be in the pulpit. I'm quite happy when somebody else preaches. I don't have an aching desire that I have to do it. But when I have to do it, then it's, Lord, take me and use me. This is where you place me. So, what do you enjoy doing? And let me also say, very honestly, I would say nine times out of ten, 98 times out of 100, that I come away from this saying, that was good. I enjoyed that. There are a couple of times you go away saying, that was shocking. Oh, I hated that. I didn't do well at all. And you've experienced that. You've been in some of those sermons, I'm sure. 
What has God been blessing in your life? How has God been using you is a good question. That'll be a pointer to where your gift is. And most importantly, what do others say? I think my gift is singing. No, it's not. I think my gift is this. I think my gift is this. Yeah, I agree. That's what your gift is. Ask one another. What do you think my gifts are? That'll be interesting, wouldn't it? I actually don't think you have any gifts. You're a, you're a dud Christian. <laughs> so there they are. Pray, study, do an inventory, eliminate, try, enjoy, blessings, and how is God affirming you? Who does God use? Anybody whose heart is fully committed to him. That's the bottom line. It's not about giftedness. It's availability. Because the Holy Spirit has all of the gifts Jesus probably had all of the gifts. He's the only person who ever did. But the Holy Spirit can therefore work. If you have the Holy Spirit in you, he can manifest any gift in you at any time. But normally he wants to do it on a consistent basis. And you've got to be clean, a clean vessel, ready and useful for the master to use. What do you take away from tonight? What are you going to do? Talk to somebody, do the questionnaire, pray, ask God. Find out what your gifts are. Try to identify them. Do the study bit. If you want help with any of this, let me encourage you to use the communication card, those things over there, and just say, hey, can you send me the inventory? Hey, can we have a coffee and have a chat about this? Can I borrow one of your books? Can I read something on this? What do you recommend? You let us know. We're here to help. And if you would like us to pray for you tonight, then please come forward. And that's what we're going to do now. We're going to conclude and pray, and then we're going to go and enjoy Tracy's birthday cake. Let's pray. Thank you, Heavenly Father, for tonight. Thank you for each other again. And thank you, Lord, that you're a God who continues to work in us. You've been doing it for years. And sadly, Lord, sometimes, sorry, but we haven't responded as best we could. The times we have, we have certainly enjoyed. So, Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see you at work and see the opportunities you're given to us. Help us to discover our gifts And Lord, help us to be channels of your grace to others, to serve and to love others. This is your will. We ask and pray for it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Happy birthday, Trace.